Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of Another Fine Mess, the European Securitization Podcast brought to you by Global Capital. Our fox-eared listeners will recognize that this is not our usual host, Tom Lemon, speaking. He is away this week, although he did manage to record a very interesting interview for the second half of this episode. But until we get there, you are left with me, and I am Victoria Thiele, the European CLO reporter at Global Capital, and holding the fort with me in Tom's absence is George Smith, who covers European ABS. Hi, George. Hello, Victoria. We are recording this early on a Monday morning. The sun is barely up yet, um, rather than as usual on Friday, um, because George, you really wanted to level the sleep deprivation playing field a bit and help me relate better to you as a new father, right? <laughs> well, in part, and uh, it, I was at the uh, TSI Congress. Oh, sure. That's what they week. always say. So what is the TSI <laughs> Congress? Tell us. Tell us more, George. <laughs> it's, uh, it's the annual gathering of the German securitization oh. market. Um, and I found it to be a bit like a sort of small Barcelona, but with less good free stuff. Any any uh, socks from ratings agencies? <laughs> no, the ratings agency presence was was limited. But there was a free bag from Moody's, but okay. I've got enough bags, so I didn't uh, didn't go for that. And just a, a word for the hosts, TSI or True Sale International, if you want the full name. They're a bit like PCS, but. Um, they do kind of STS verification and they do kind of promotional events and, and that kind of thing for securitization market. We do love our acronyms in this market, don't we? MBS, uh, <laughs> ABS, TSI, PCS, STS. Everybody knows what we're talking about. <laughs> uh, so I guess this event was in Frankfurt then, was it? Uh, you would have thought so, but no, it was in Berlin. Shocking. Uh, I know, what I know. Well, there? I was talking... <laughs> I was talking to everyone from Frankfurt and they yeah. were saying, yeah, it was great on the train up. It was like private train. We, we just saw our <laughs> friends. Uh, and they said the reason it's not is because if it was in Frankfurt, they'd all just go to their offices for the day and then turn yeah. up for the drinks in the evening. Um, yeah. I mean, this was the first of, it was my first appearance at the conference, but it was also the first at a new venue because it's normally held in the hotel with the uh, aquarium. Oh my god, the aquarium that exploded uh, was last year. Yeah, I think it was in December uh, with uh, the uh, the biggest cylindrical fish tank in the world yes. it was, but it's not anymore. Uh, no, not anymore. I, I wonder, like, it sort of disappeared from the news. Um, I, I should look up what's, what's happening to that. I think I was in Berlin shortly after that thing exploded. Um, and I think I tried to like go there and see if I could pick up a glass shard or so as a souvenir, but um, <laughs> it was it was not possible, unfortunately. <laughs> uh, it's not too far from where my dad lives, but yeah, I don't know what's happening. Clearly, it's not hosting conferences yet. <laughs> not no no. But so so we're like at, at the new hotel where people are actually able to talk about anything else, but this aquarium was was securitization being discussed at all? Well, I mean, people were very they had views on on the on the move. I mean, it was quite well received, I thought. But there were a few people who were sad it was uh, the new venue was smaller apparently. Um, but I, I I thought it was quite good because it was about one minute round the corner from Zolpakhov, which is, I mean it's a bit touristy, but that's probably one of the reasons I like it. It's a nice uh, is that a beer garden. Beer garden. Oh nice. Yeah. Um, there were some very I thought intense discussions being had actually, and you know we we may need some of your expertise because. Lots of them were about German politics uh, and uh, some some EU politics as well. Uh, I got the sense that 
there were people here who were very excited that their market was being mentioned so prominently, say in that FT column. Um, and I mean, it all came back, I think, to this idea of a moment of transition for Germany and people thought that securitization could have an important role in kind of funding the various avenues of that transition. Right. Do you mean the, the green transition? Yeah, well, I think there's a there's a sense that kind of Germany as a whole is kind of still in transition in a few ways, kind of moving on from Merkel and uh, kind of, yeah, the green transition. But that's been brought particularly into focus by the Russian invasion of Ukraine mm. and all the sanctions and the kind of need to come off Russian gas to, to an extent. And there was actually quite a few politicians speaking at this conference. And I think the message that was maybe being made or given was that the market needs to make the case for how it can be useful to politicians and uh, people uh, people can understand in a way that people can understand. Um, and that message needs to be really kind of tailored to these contemporary issues. Um, and I thought maybe one example would be that NPAL deal that won our, well, I think won our private deal of the year last year uh, with the solar securitization warehouse. Yeah, I mean, reading reading a lot of, um, and following German news, obviously, quite closely. Um, and there definitely is a lot of sort of discussion about how to fund all those massive changes that are ahead, sort of becoming more independent from Russia and other places like maybe Azerbaijan now with the whole Nagorno-Karabakh situation um, in terms of gas. Um, there's the whole decoupling and de-risking from China. Um, there's massive need of investment, um, the funding for the army, NATO contributions. Like There is so much going on and there is such a huge debate about sort of where the money for that could come from. Um, and I've definitely I mean, securitization is never really sort of at the forefront of the public attention. Um, but uh, I think I think it is quite interesting if they are exploring that as sort of a venue to, to help with some of that stuff. Um, but this sort of sounds like more of a um, sort of communication issue at this point, right? Um, it's the industry sort of trying to advertise itself to politicians and sort of exploring venues of ways of working together. Do you think that could translate into more favorable regulation for IBS because that's been a bit of an issue in Germany, hasn't it? Yeah, I mean, they've got that letter which in the FT, which I mentioned, which is obviously yeah. uh, something. But I think that as a result, there were some people who got a bit, of ahead, a bit ahead of themselves. After one of the speeches, I asked someone, what do you think of that? And they said, I've never seen so much back slapping. <laughs> uh, um, you know, I think there's obviously there's some natural limits, like there's never going to be any serious amount of German RMBS or anything like that. And one thing that did come up was the EU Parliament elections next year. Mm. People saying like we've we've spent all the time just just convincing these guys about what it is we want them to do and they finally kind of understand and some progress might get made and now they're all gonna be kicked out again and we're gonna to have to start again from scratch. So Oh, that sounds That's like basic thing. democracy. That sounds like you're complaining about how <laughs> elections work. Um, all right. That, well, that is really interesting. Um, but that sounds like it was quite a sort of politically minded conference. Were people sort of talking about anything more sort of strictly markety as well? What did you What did you hear there? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of kind of market based panels and, and that kind of thing. Um, one thing I think was prominent was kind of synthetic securitizations. Uh, 
there's a lot of excitement around how that market's been growing, particularly how it's grown for German banks, because they, as a result of not doing RBS deals, can't sell RBS MES, which is a, one of the, the ways you can transfer risk. So some people are saying it's kind of even more relevant for German banks to, uh, to be involved in SRT. Um, I, I called it a market, but actually one of the panelists, um, Bank of America's Alex Batchforov, uh, objected to, to calling it a market. Um, I always enjoy a, a semantic quibble, so it stayed with me. He what said, did, what did he, call you, it? he said, you need a uh, secondary trading. Otherwise it's just a, like a series of similar or linked, uh, deals that because there's not the same pricing mechanism doesn't really exist if you haven't got secondary if it's just a bunch of bilateral trades <laughs> interesting well thanks george um that was really interesting and um i think this is probably sort of a podcast exclusive most extensive um discussion of this conference that we're going to have but um i'm sure if you diligently read george's articles over the next few days you'll probably find more quotes um and sort of more references to what was being discussed at the conference because it sounds like it was quite vast um there will be a bit more to look forward to that um but uh yeah you've also been uh been writing about uh things this week haven't you as the uh the last woman standing in london i have, Tom I as have. Well. i've been i've been holding the torch carrying the torch of our securitization <laughs> coverage um yeah there were a couple of interesting clo stories um first of all in in terms of deals um i found out that Man Group, Man GLG, is marketing their first deal since um, 2021. They hired a new, um, they, they hired a new CLO manager, someone to, to lead their CLO platform um, this January, and now they're actually getting serious about doing their first deal together with Barclays. Um, and I found that a couple of when I when I talked to a couple of people in the market about this, they were like, "Hey, are they issuing? <laughs> um, aren't they? Haven't they disappeared?" So um, this, if, if you haven't seen my story, uh, you're you're welcome to this little surprise. Um, but then also, of course, Pemberton um, priced their first CLO, um, which was quite quite exciting. They priced it at 178 basis points, so there was a little bit of a premium to sort of where other deals have landed around sort of more towards 170, maybe even moving towards 165 a little bit, um, but uh, a relatively low premium for a new issuer. Um, so I think that went quite well for them. But sort of the biggest story I wrote this week um, was me revisiting one that I wrote a couple of weeks ago about the uh, by now infamous snooze drag. Um, and <laughs> <laughs> I found that most coverage so far has sort of focused on AAA investors being quite angry about it, um, which includes my coverage um, and sort of some some other media reports you see around. Um, so I sort of wanted to look into what has changed now over the past few weeks as a result of that attention. Um, and I also was curious what the MES investors think about it. Yeah, so just remind me what, what Snooze Drag actually is. Yeah, um, it is it is this little sort of loophole in CLO and loan documentation that allows CLO managers to be dragged into a loan maturity extension when they're not necessarily supposed to. Um, if, you, if you're if you a borrower and you want to extend your loan, <clears throat> you do an amended extend deal and that needs consent from your investors. And a lot of loans are in CLOs, um, so they're sort of the biggest um, loan investors in Europe. But 
CLO can't accept accept maturity extensions forever because at some point they're meant to pay back investors. So um, they are outside of their reinvestment period. They might breach certain tests like the weighted average life tests. Um, the thing is, they're not meant to accept, but they're not explicitly required to say no. So they can just abstain. And the problem arises in the fact that loan documents often count abstaining as silent consent. So so then yeah. people get sort of sort of dragged along um, and that has caused a bit of um, a bit of friction in the market recently with regards to some older CLOs from a couple of years ago that get done at really tight spreads. Uh, sorry, yeah, really tight spreads and that CLO managers are now not winding down or resetting, but sort of trying to keep alive so they don't have to issue a new deal at the much wider spreads right now. Yeah, I see. Okay. So uh... I guess there's a there's a conflict then between equity investors who want to keep these kind of vintage CLOs with tighter spreads alive to maximize their returns against AAA investors who want their money back to invest in the deals with, uh, with wider spreads. Yeah, exactly, exactly. That's what that's what's been happening, um, and that's sort of what attention in this debate has been focused on. Um, and of course, the AAA investors are in a pretty powerful position right now. Um, the most senior transfers have been a bit more difficult to place, so people need anchor investors. Um, so they are in a good position to push for some changes they want to see in documentation for new deals. Um, this won't affect this happening with sort of those vintage deals, um, but of course they want to sort of make sure they're not in this position again in the future. So um, in CLOs that is pri have priced over the past um, couple of weeks, months maybe, um, the market has been sort of an exploration mode um, and people are experimenting with different changes to documentation that can prevent or at least sort of limit this news drag potentially being used. Um, and they've sort of come up with all kinds of different solutions. Some require a blanket no from investors. If the extension would breach their well test, they cannot participate under no circumstances. Um, Others are a bit more lenient. They allow to participate if the manager can prove that it's sort of good for credit amendment reasons or um, that the manager um, gets consent from the AAAs first. You just go out and ask your investors, I want to do this. Is, is that OK with you? Um, there's there's a full list of what we've seen in my article about this. Um, that yeah, so, that's basically the gist. So how do these uh, these mezzanine investors feel about it then? Yeah, they're they're kind of in an interesting position, I find. Um, and I think this whole discussion is an interesting um, illustration of how in CLOs, how many people with sort of quite different interests have to come together to make it work for everybody. Um, so I'd say the mezzanine investors, from what I see, have a foot in both camps. Of course, they, they're debt investors. They want their money from deals with tight spreads back to reinvest in wider spreads. Um, but AE isn't just done for to prevent that sort of. Um, it's also it's also a way to prevent defaults. Um, and <laughs> that's quite important to some people. Um, not really to investment grade tranches because they they're hardly like they're not really affected. Like they they're the first ones to be paid, so they kind of don't care. Um, but the mess can lose money there. Um, so so these investors um, sort of call for more caution. Um, they, they have that in common with the equity investors who would also um, sort of take take more of a hit if, if there's defaults. Um, and I spoke, I actually spoke to um, Sharif Anbarcolas, who is at Cartesia. They invest in um, CLO MES. And he actually pointed out that it's not just about defaults. Um, there's 
there's also downgrades um, and they're sort of expected to pick up two in the current environment. Um, it's something that was set by, um, I think, Michael Curtis um, at Fidelity at the recent S&P conference. Um, and downgrades can hurt AAA investors. So um, sort of some mass investors have been trying to make the case why it's also in the best interest of everybody to be a bit uh, more careful here. So I think that's it's a really interesting discussion. Yeah, yeah. Good to get another conference quote in there. Um... <laughs> now we're, like, we're everywhere. You cannot escape us at the European <laughs> Securitization Conference. Thank you, Victoria. If you want to read the, the story, it's on Global Capital and it's called Mez Funds Call for Caution and CLO Docs Start to Limit Snooze Drag. And I think we've reached our, our limit, George. Um, that's it from us. And we're now handing over to Tom, who managed to get our second guest onto the podcast. Thanks, Victoria and George. I'm Tom Lemon, and this feels like a little bit of a sort of beyond the grave style appearance as I couldn't make the normal recording. But I'm thrilled to have a new gang with me today. Firstly, I have Adam Granger, Director of Operations for FIN and Investor and Issuer Relations at IMN. Hi, Adam. Hi, Tom. Thanks for uh, having me. And Joe Lau, who is the Chairman of FIN and the President and CIO of Lordcap. Hi, Tom. Thanks for having me. And you guys are here with me today because summer's over. It's miserable um, in London and New York, but ABS East is in Miami at the end of October. Um, which is run by Finn and IMN. Um, and that should at least make us feel a little bit <laughs> a little bit warmer when, when it kicks off. Um, and why don't we start with you? So ABS East, maybe to those to the uninitiated, maybe the Europeans who don't who are listening that haven't been, what what is ABS East? Yeah, so great. Great question. And it's basically a way for us to run to the sun and extend the summer. No, I'm joking. Uh, so ABS East is, so it's a large conference. I think it's in its 29th year now down in Miami. And it's essentially the structured finance industry, certainly the US structured finance industry, uh, yeah. coming together uh, to, to, you know, educate each other, to transact. A, it's very much a deal making conference. I know this year it's looking like we're going to be getting close to 5,000 people on site. And it's really the entire ecosystem, right? So the, the banks, the rating agencies, the trustees, the law firms, various service providers. And then, as you mentioned in your introduction, uh, it is in conjunction with FIN, which the Fixed Income Investor Network is a buy side organization. So really focused on having the buy side there in attendance. So a lot of the investors... Um, you know, from covering various different asset classes within the, um, you know, in the ABS world. And so if you are in the, in Europe, you're probably more familiar with uh, Global ABS. It's very much yeah. the sister conference to that, um, right by the beach. So again, similar to Barcelona. And yeah, really a bit of a way to get the entire industry together. A lot of uh, after parties and various different bars and getting together. So it's just an all round, an all round great and fun event. So yeah, looking forward to getting down there. Occasionally something besides uh, bars and dinners and whatnot. But um, um, no, I mean, I think that's a great description, Adam. The one thing that I would add is that um, 
we we buy side sell side we get invited to a lot of conferences we attend a lot of conferences throughout the year i think the differentiator with abs east is really it's very much investor driven i mean the, the reason for finn is coordinating with imn on investor related matters and that flows very strongly through this particular conference many of the other ones are focused on either different segments of the market or asset classes and so forth the structure of this conference with investor roundtables, market events and overview, trading and liquidity, different perspectives on collateral really does help facilitate the deal making because all of us are there and focusing around the investor aspect of how deals can get done. Great. And then if so, so, so Adam was saying earlier, you know, that it's a bit, it's quite similar to, to Barcelona in terms of, you know, you've got the beach. I mean, I can remember going to Barcelona last earlier this year. And um, George, George was pretty worse for wear for his on by the Thursday. <laughs> so he's got to write like a another story Thursday morning. And um, I remember seeing him fast asleep at about five o'clock in the evening, um, <laughs> tucked under his bed. Surprised he made it that yeah. long. Yes. <laughs> so, so I'm thinking, well, for for, for Miami because I've never been to Miami, so I'm really excited to to be able to go this year. But um, what's the sort of USP for ABS East? Well, I'll start with we all need to be uh, back in our rooms working and early to bed, uh, of course. <laughs> but um, when we're not doing that, I mean, Miami's Miami. I mean, South Beach is, it, it, besides being just a wonderful location, tons of restaurants, a lot of nightlife. Um, I, I can't say that it... Uh, uh, it does exactly the same thing as um, being in Barcelona because the European colleagues of ours have an amazing ability to be out for days and days at a time. <laughs> but um, you can certainly get out late. You can get in a little bit of trouble if you want to do some dancing, do some clubbing and, you know, arguably be in one of the best food towns in the U.S. That sounds I'm, I'm so excited now. Um... <laughs> then, hope you're getting your reservations yeah. soon because it's always hard to get into the restaurants um, and then and then sort of like when when you're thinking about like obviously you said it you know the focus is really investor is quite heavily investor driven um and obviously adam you've you've worked on sort of building up the the agenda that that will be there but what do you think the sort of major themes are going to be this year that you've got set up because yeah let's just go sure yeah, I mean, so I guess let's start even more fundamental. Um, the structure of this conference, in keeping with the theme of investor focus, is always a little different. I mean, everyone always offers uh, primers on different asset classes, an overview of the market for CLOs, commercial ABS, consumer ABS, and so forth. But um, really, and, and this is one of the nice things about Finn and IMN partnering up on this, is introducing more market-based commentary focused around the investors. I mentioned roundtables and things. A lot of the actual content is intended to um, to get deep on the issues that are outstanding, not just tell people what is a credit card ABS bond. And you know, this year is an interesting one. I mean, every every conversation, every uh, conference is always interesting, which is probably a bad thing. But you know, this time around, they were, I'm confused. Like the. This year, we've had questions around the economy, political issues we're currently dealing with. Is the U.S. government going to shut down for a period oh, of time? Yes, <laughs> yeah, it's minor detail. And, you know, what's going on in the rate markets? And at the same time, the general outlook remains extremely positive. 
And, you know, we've been through a lot in the last year. Uh, if, I, if I think a year ago, not only were rates substantially lower, but, you know, losses on consumer assets were well below historical means, and we're, we're getting more to that point. So I think the key theme is just going to be really what's going on and how do we think about continuing to navigate the, uh, the economy that we're in and, you know, the potential downside as we're looking out over the next year. I mean, the, we're in a political cycle. Uh, the presidential cycle is, is active, which means that there's always going to be some strange things going on there that'll filter into financial markets. Um, and not knowing, are we going to keep raising rates? What's going on with the commercial real estate industry, which of course is a, is a major topic for a lot of subsectors in ABS. So I, I think it's really, okay, are we going to find a way to this soft landing everyone talks about? Are we looking at economic growth or are we in for a bit of a bumpy ride? And, and I don't think the consensus is set on any of those points yet. Yeah, and that's always what makes it great, right? When when the consensus exactly. isn't there. Um, yes. But Adam, and then why don't you tell us, because you've got a private credit summit tagged in there as well, because obviously, I mean, it's been the buzzword or buzz phrase right. of finance for the last <laughs> year or so, hasn't it? Um, yeah, it's, uh, no, you're right. It seems that any call or meeting I have with investors, private credit is either the topic or it certainly gets mentioned um, in any of those conversations. So you're absolutely right, Tom. So the, the, I guess the idea behind introducing the private credit summit at ABS East, you know, comes from that observation and that sort of general shift um, towards that. And I think, um, you know, certainly in the past couple of years, it seems to be something that just keeps coming up and, and it's sort of getting larger and larger. And I guess it's a trend driven partly by sort of the, the current economic climate. So as Joe was mentioning, sort of, you know, the high inflation and the interest rate hikes, I think is pushing a lot of investors to look for viable alternatives. Um, and so really, you know, we was thinking that, okay, with ABS East, we've got pretty much the majority of the industry there in one place. And so why not use this as an opportunity to invite some of the, you know, the credit funds to the event to speak to our audience, because it's not just aimed at investors, right? We're seeing a lot of banks getting involved with some of these transactions too, and really sort of set the scene before the conference of ABSE starts to have the conversations. And it's, you know, right now, this is the first time we've put this together and we've already got over a thousand people registered for this event. So it's taking place on the morning of the 23rd. Uh, it starts at 9 a.m. and runs till one. So we've got a, a number of great sessions. We are co-hosting again with Finn, and also Aries Management, uh, the sort of the co-sponsor of this. So there's going to be a number of people from their firm speaking, various fireside chats, really setting scene in the state of the private credit, you know, I guess ecosystem as it currently is. And I'm sure that it's as it continues to evolve, the conversations are going to be more prominent. And I'm sure that in six months, that area might look a little bit different. But it seems to be that things are tracking in that direction. So we thought. Why not use this to, you know, speak to a lot of the, the, you know, the structured credit industry on sort of an alternative form of finance. And so I guess that's the main idea of this. So I'm going to be running that session. And I think, Joe, you and I, were going to be doing sort of the opening remarks there. So yes. very much looking forward to getting to Miami and kicking off this new event, this new pre-event, I guess it is. It's, yeah. a, it's an event before the yeah, event. I think it's going to be so exciting to and interesting. Yeah, it's I think the ener it's going to raise the energy level. I mean, normally when the conference starts, you're going through the 101s, people are, are kind of drifting in. The main event hasn't begun. And I think this is its own main event. Um, 
you know, to your point, Adam, the estimates are the private credit market's more than one and a half trillion dollars now and just growing at double digit rates. So uh, mm-hmm. there's so many themes that are relevant to this audience. It's, it's not just that there's an overlap, it's that um, there's a much broader um, ethos around the structured credit market now. It's not just capital markets, ABS. It's um, banks and uh, bank uh, warehouse to term securitization, which we've had for a long time, helping bring emerging assets, but also forward flow and purely private long-term transactions that are seeing greater demands. So really, and I know dealing with a lot of the issuers that we either have relationships with or we work with directly, um, the way they think of their toolkit is much broader. And um, you know, the, as a result, we have to react in that way. So it's great that that's getting the airtime that it is. I, I, I think this is gonna be, I mean, besides being a standalone topic that is extremely important, I think it's a very well integrated one when we think of what is the asset back market or the structured credit market. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, right then, so you guys mentioned that you're both talking, so you can't, you can't, uh, you can't say yourselves, but um, one <laughs> is there one thing, one panel or one thing at the conference that you absolutely must go and do this year? Must go um, and see this. Can, can I say seeing Lewis Manson then, if um, if it's not Adam <laughs> or Joe? <laughs> um, no, I'm I'm really looking forward to one of the things we're we're trialing at this conference is a set of. Um, investor-driven roundtables that are focused around the individual task forces within FIN. So we have a consumer task force, commercial, RMBS, CLOs, um, and ESG, and we're looking to bring direct dialogue into that. We we love panels. You get a lot of great information out of them, you know, a lot of fantastic speakers, um, but it's more intimate when you can bring the audience into the discussion, and that's harder in a lot of these situations. This is being designed specifically for that. And I think it's going to bring out a lot of really interesting perspectives, thoughts that people have about what's going on, and and ideally add a little bit of friction among people because that's going to make it interesting. Mm-hmm. Love a bit of tension. That's what always makes a good story or a good podcast. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, Adam, what, your your go then. What what do you think? You can't say the same. Yeah. So for me, <laughs> no. I mean, I'm going to agree with Joe because. Yeah, I, I I am excited for those sessions. I'm going to be involved with with running those, so I'm de- very much looking forward to them. And then also, as you know, running the private credit summit, I'm excited to um, be listening in and, and putting those sessions together and listening to um, Joel Holsinger from Aries and his fireside chat. But I think on ABS East, um, Brett Lee's from Apollo. He's the partner and yeah. co-head of asset um, management there. Um, I saw him speak at the IMN CLO conference earlier in the year, and his uh, his speech was great. And so really looking forward to, to his keynote session on, uh, I think he's going to be talking around sort of the asset-based finance space. So very much looking forward to that. And then generally, I think the great thing about ABS East is just seeing all of the friendly faces, right? Excited to catch up with people I haven't seen in the past year. Um, so yeah, very much just looking forward to getting down to Miami and, and sort of immersing myself in the event for, for the few days. And then our last question before we go is... Um... It's, me- it's more because I'm just lazy and I can't be bothered to Google what things to do in Miami. <laughs> but um, what is the one thing not at the conference you'd uh, you'd recommend a fresh-faced newbie like me to go and have a look at? 
Well, I, I don't know if it's even just fresh-faced newbies or if it's even the people that attend, but after attending this conference for close to two decades now, uh, I can say that I have never gone to the beach or pool at uh, the Fontainebleau. <laughs> so, you know, it's how, how do you infuse just enough of that relaxation in it? Great to go out to dinner, hang out with your friends. That's a lot of fun being out late, but um, uh, I, I'm looking forward myself to being a little bit lazy this time, although I promise not to do it during the conference time because I don't think anybody <laughs> wants to see me laying on the beach. <laughs> Adam, what do you think? For, for me, it is the beach, right? As a, as a northerner from Yorkshire, we don't really have many beaches uh, and a lot of rainy weather. So getting to the sunny beach of Miami, I take any opportunity I can to, uh, to wander down there. And it's a stone's throw. I think that the hotel property is on the beach. So it is. Yes. Yeah, it's, yes. it's great. So I'm so sorry, to Tom. We're, we're not helping you with your sightseeing, but um, <laughs> yeah. we're helping to get a little bit of a break in in the process. Um, yes. Uh... Well, for, for the Americans listening um, that, that that haven't heard of Yorkshire, just read Wuthering Heights and you'll get the kind of vibe. Mike, <laughs> um, um, the, is there golf there, Mike? Because my dad went to the, played at the Dor, is it Doral golf course? It's yes. Trump, Trump Doral. Mm -hmm. And he said when he was there, Donald Trump landed uh, by a helicopter when he played. But this was about 10 years before Donald Trump was anywhere near becoming a political figure. Um, and so it was just like, oh, weird billionaire landing in, in, in his plane. And uh, little did he know, he's looking at a future president of the United States. But yeah. You, you get a lot of that, I will say. Staying at the Fontainebleau, the live club there is where the cool people hang out. So if you show up early for the conference, then you're going to get a chance to see some pretty familiar famous faces that are going in and out. And uh, they have no time for you, but at least you get a chance to uh, ogle a bit. <laughs> that, um, right well i'm afraid that's all we've got time for today thank you both joe and adam for your time it's been great having you on and um i hope i'll see you both in miami very very soon um mm -hmm. and yeah thanks a lot but for now it's goodbye thanks tom thanks we tom. appreciate it and looking forward see to seeing you, you. Soon.